Today's reading is taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. A great announcement. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and you will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Just before I begin the sermon, i just uh, let you know, uh, for your prayers, uh, Robin was here today, but Robin's been sick for all of this week, and she's probably working at uh, 50% at the moment, just enough energy to be here uh, to do what she's done this, today, help us set up uh, yesterday. Liambo has COVID, his wife had COVID, he got it yesterday, so he won't be in our Chinese ministry, and I think he was uh, uh, putting a talk on MP3 yesterday and sent it through to someone with his croaky voice so they could play it this afternoon. So just be conscious that the pastoral team as well as members of our congregation are all impacted by illness, COVID and other things at this time as well. Uh, but the theme today is the great, great announcement and that's not, they're not great announcements, <laughs> sad announcements, but um, you've probably made a lot of announcements in your life. Uh, you know, when I, some of mine are, for example, I became a Christian or we're getting married or the Baptist Union is willing to ordain me. Never lift that down, those poor people. It's a girl. It's a girl. It's a girl. It's a granddaughter. Uh, we're going to Nawi. She's getting married. We're off to Europe. All types of announcements we make and we celebrate and... Uh, and I guess the French are celebrating and announcing today. Uh, I'm sorry, the English uh, and friends. And, uh, and the Moroccans are celebrating parties in Morocco. And uh, the Portuguese are not so happy today. Um, sometimes joyous announcements, sometimes not so joyous. But we have a, a quite a, an amazing announcement here. I call it the great announcements. When God announces via the angel Gabriel to Mary 
to a virgin named Mary that she would have a child conceived by the Holy Spirit, the child who would be the saviour of the world. Nothing compares to that, right? Nothing compares to that. And let's have a look at the first thing. Mary is highly favoured by God, we hear. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said to her, sorry, went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. It doesn't hurt to stop around Christmas time to recount the events in the early chapters in the book of Luke. Remember, Elizabeth is now six months pregnant with John the Baptist when the angel appears. And we looked at John the Baptist, uh, his announcement of his birth last week. The angel now appears to Mary. Who is Mary? A poor and humble teenager maybe 14 or 15 years of age. Picture that if you've got a daughter at that age, receiving a message from God. Galilee was not a respected region neither, and she's from Nazareth, therefore from humble agrarian roots. She's a farmer girl. Yet God bypasses Jerusalem and other important cities and chooses a humble teenager for his plan to save the world. I love how God works in different ways. Gabriel appears in scripture only two other times in Daniel as an interpreter of visions and here in Luke 1.19 as the announcer of John the Baptist's birth. This is his third one with Mary. And it is significant here that God chooses to announce to Mary ahead of time what he is about to do. Common pattern in the scripture, a word from God and then a deed. Keep these two things together as you think about how God works. Why is that? Because God wants his deeds to be understood. He wants to be sure that he gets the credit for the deeds, right? Events by themselves, without words of explanation, are ambiguous. The word of God interprets the work of God, takes away that ambiguity. So, for example, sometimes people will say, well, I don't talk about Jesus, I just live like Jesus. Friends, let me say, that's not enough. Well, I just do good deeds, but I, I don't tell people about Jesus. Well, they're likely to think you're a do-gooder and that you depend on your works for salvation if you do not speak about God's love, God's grace, God's mercy. You see, you need, as we see here, the word of God and the deeds of God coming together. Often people come at this time uh, to get food hampers off us, in fact, throughout the year, but also Christmas ones. And what I try to do if I have an opportunity is to speak to them about not simply, hey, we're glad we're able to bless you, but I try to move it beyond that to a conversation about Jesus. Sometimes we've given DVDs away, sometimes Bibles away. We want them to know we don't simply give them good food because we think we'll somehow impress God. We do it because we love them, but also because we have a great saviour as well. So can I urge you this Christmas time, as well as doing good, Try to speak about Jesus, who is the motivation for doing good. So Mary is a virgin, we're told, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Two crucial facts here. Mary was a virgin, and Joseph was off, off the house of David. The virginity of Mary is important for two reasons. 
Number one, it means that she is, she is sexually pure. She's not slept with her fiancé or any other man. That would have been in the Bible's language fornication, sexual immorality, and God hates fornication or sexual immorality. Of course, if you look at the lineage of Jesus, it's not so clean, his heritage, right? There was Bathsheba, the adulteress. There's Tamar, who seduced her father-in-law. God forgives sins, as many of us have discovered. But don't overlook the importance of Mary. When God chose a mother for his son, he chose a virgin. Secondly, Mary's virginity is also important because it meant she wasn't pregnant. It's the obvious, right? God makes it clear that the conception of Jesus in the womb of a woman was owing to no person. So he chose a virgin. And a virgin conceived a child whose father was God and not man. It's also important that Joseph be of the house of David because and you wonder how this works. The legal relationship he had with Jesus put Jesus in the Davidic line and enabled him to fulfill the promises made to the son of David. We'll see that in a moment. Now Mary is a recipient of God's gracious favour. The angel went and said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Imagine, you're 14 or 15, God has shown his favour towards you. Favour means God's free bestowal of grace to Mary. It's not as if she earns the favour, because a gift is a gift, it's not earned. Keep this in mind when you think about Mary. She is to receive a free bestowal of God's grace. She doesn't deserve the honour, it's grace. As someone said, there were other virgins in Nazareth. God could have prepared them for this miracle, but he didn't. And grace eliminates all boasting. Eliminates all boasting in your salvation, right? You're not going to heaven because you're good or because you come to church. It uh, doesn't matter how many times you come to church. It's all God's grace. And likewise with Mary, God chooses to show his favour toward her. Mary, the Lord is with you in a way that you can't fathom or understand. But never forget, it is a favour for a gift of grace. Now, Leon Morris writes, says in... Uh, the late Leon Morris, an Anglican theologian, says it is a complete misunderstanding which translates these words, Hail Mary, full of grace. And if you're from a Catholic background, you'll understand those words, and often people pray that, Hail Mary, full of grace, as if she has grace to dispense. No, he said, no, no, God is dispensing grace to Mary. Mary does not dispense, dispense grace to us. He says, and understands them to mean that Mary is to be a source of grace to other people. No, Gabriel is simply saying that God's favour rests on her. He says nothing about her being a source of grace to other people. And then he says, don't be afraid. Whenever the angels come, there's always a word, don't be afraid, isn't there? Makes sense. <laughs> you saw an angel, as we saw last week. Uh, nice encouragement. But Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She doesn't understand what it means to have a heavenly visitor at this stage. 14, 15 years of age she is, and an angel speaks to her. I read the story of a little boy once. He uh, was afraid of the dark and afraid of storms. And uh, one night during a thunderstorm, his mother asked him to go out to the back porch and get the broom. Picture this, it's dark, it's storming, go out to the back porch, pick up the broom. The boy started to go, but when he turned on the light, it was burnt out. 
Between the dark and the storm outside, he wasn't uh, sure he wanted to go out there. He ran back in, told his mum, well, mum, his mother said, you don't have to be afraid. God's right there with you and God's not going to let anything happen to you. God's everywhere. Okay, mum. Look, boy looked at his mum a second time and then asked, are you sure, mum? If I go out in the dark and the storm, God's there. Are you sure? Mum said, it'll be fine. God is there. God is everywhere. He'll look after you. Filled with his mum's assurance, he mustered up his courage, decided to go and get the broom. He was getting ready to step out the back porch. There he was, when all of a sudden, lightning flashed and a huge clap of thunder rolled all around. The boy froze. His eyes as big as dinner plates. Then he hollered, God, if you're really out there, hand me the broom. <laughs> we all have fears, don't we? Telling that story freaks me out because I grew up in a family where we had an outside toilet. Three o'clock in the morning, as an eight-year-old, you walk through the dark house and unlock the door and you look outside. The wind is blowing through the trees. There are ghosts everywhere. <laughs> you run to the toilet, quickly shut the door. Don't look behind you in case there's someone there. And get in and lock the door behind you and hope no one has walked in. I understand that. It's bringing my trauma back. <laughs> But we all have fears, don't we? Sometimes it's because of small things or world events or COVID or war. Or maybe we've lost our job or there's been a, a sudden diagnosis of cancer, unexpected, and your life has now completely been transformed. Fear is a very real part of life. But I think Gabriel's message to Mary is one of the messages of Christmas to us too. One of the messages of the Messiah, don't be afraid. God's got Mary under control. God is, has a plan. And friends, for us as followers of the Lord Jesus, he has a plan for our lives. To work all things for the good of his people who have been called according to his name. To prepare us for eternity. To make us like Jesus. Don't be afraid. Trust him. No matter what you're going through. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. I love that again. You have found favour with God. You have found grace. Mary, God's got you. Trust him. And it's all about Jesus, the promised son, verses 31 to 33. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Five things he wants Mary to know. Number one, his name will be Jesus. Why? See, Jesus is the Greek for the Hebrew Joshua, which means the Lord is salvation. Names have a meaning. Remember, we saw that last week. Names have a meaning. As I said last week, if you weren't here, my name is Evangelos, proclaimer of good news. Names have a meaning. He is the name. The Lord is salvation. He is a, a saviour, a deliverer. And his saving work will take place on the cross. But he will be great. Jesus is great. He is very great. He's greater than King Charles. I had to change that. You always think of the Queen, right? It's no longer the Queen. Greater than King Charles, Vladimir Putin, Joe Biden, or Anthony Albanese. He's greater than Messi or Ronaldo. Ronaldo's gone. Messi's still in with a chance. And you may not know, but for those who are into football, this morning, the French striker 
who scored their second goal, Olivier Giroud, is an evangelical Christian. And he would say, and I've read some of his testimony, he says, Jesus is the most important person in the world. He knows Jesus is far greater than him. No one can compare with his greatness. Gabriel says he will be called the Son of the Most High. I love the fact that it's the demons in Luke 8, 28 who cry out to Jesus, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beseech you, do not torment me. The demon and demons recognize that he is the Son of the Most High in a unique way. We're all sons of God in one sense, but he is Son of the Most High in this unique way as the Son of God. And Gabriel says the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Not only is he a saviour, he is a king. Fulfilment of Old Testament prophecies. He will rule over Israel, but he will rule over more than Israel. Have a look at Isaiah 11 verse 10. In that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. See, beyond, as a king, the nations will come. Mary's son will someday rule the world. A light for revelation to the Gentiles... And for the glory to your people, Israel, a king over all the nations. Friends, that's why we reach out to our neighbours. Whatever culture they come from. That's why as you look around this congregation, we're a multicultural, multinational congregation. Because we come from all nations of the earth into this land and God calls us brothers or sons and daughters and we become brothers and sisters. We reach people of all backgrounds, of all experience, from the indigenous people of Australia to the ones who've maybe just come. Some fellow visited last week and said, I've been in Australia for two weeks. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, you're welcome into the people of God. And that's why we send missionaries out to the ends of the earth, to Central Asia, to Lebanon, to Thailand, to Southeast Asia, to North Africa and to Europe. Because the nations need to come to worship Christ. What a wonderful word to Mary. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Who's ruling in Sydney, Australia today at 10.05? Let me tell you who's ruling at 10.05 in Sydney today. Jesus is ruling. King of kings, Lord of lords. He is in charge. No matter what happens in politics, no, no matter what the decisions the government makes about new rules and regulations, about morality, let me tell you who's ruling. Jesus is ruling. His reign will never end. It'll be through a virgin. Mary catches her breath for a moment. Instead of mocking the impossible, she humbly asks, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Good question. Since literally I do not know a man which means in a sexual way. I think she was ready to believe that she might give birth to the Messiah, but that she might give birth as a virgin, I think was beyond her comprehension. But her attitude was humble and open, and so Gabriel answered her as far as he was allowed. He said, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Simply, the Holy Spirit. How does that work? People say, well, how did the Holy Spirit make that work? The Bible doesn't give us the answer to that. The answer is simply the Holy Spirit will do it. And sometimes we want to go beyond the revelation that we have in the Scriptures to try and create some way in which the Holy Spirit could have done that. We're not told. How can a virgin have a child? How can the human child be the divine son of God? We don't know. God does it. 
And then he says, just to encourage her, with God nothing is impossible, even the Baron Elizabeth is now pregnant. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. So how does this 14, 15-year-old girl respond to this extraordinary message about a saviour who would change and transform the world? How would you have responded? She's a great example to us. She doesn't dispense grace to us. God dispenses grace to her and to us. But she's a marvellous example of a faithful, humble servant of God, isn't she? Behold, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. What a beautiful, quiet, submissive heroism there. God, whatever you want, I'm yours. I wonder whether you would say that this Christmas. God, whatever you want in my life, whatever you want to do with me, I'm yours. I'm your servant. Her reaction may have been different. She's engaged to a man, but she's not married. And we know from Matthew's gospel, um, the engagement is quite serious in the, in the Middle East in the first century, and he was planning to divorce her, assuming she had committed adultery. There would be shame in the community. So Mary simply saying, God, whatever you want, do it, takes great courage. She didn't say, God, take it away from me. Please use someone else. I mean, I will be divorced. I will be shamed in the community. God, do it some other way, will you? Ever thought about that? She says, no, Lord, if that's what you want, I'm your servant. A beautiful, godly young woman that God works through. So can you say, let the Holy Spirit do with me as he pleases? A call to love, a call to serve, a call to give, a call to lead, a call to witness, a call to mission. I hope you can. Let the Holy Spirit do with me as he pleases. I think it's a wonderful attitude for Christmas. Amen.